Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning. Good morning. Our growing your faith verse of the day comes from Proverbs 16, verse 9. Have you made plans for today? What are your plans for the day? Uh, if you're like me, your little calendar thing sends you a little announcement first thing in the morning. Hey, here's what's on the agenda. Um, the Lord determines our steps. So Proverbs 16, 9, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. So what do you have planned for day for today? And is there room in your plans today? For God's plans. I mean, that's really the question. Is there enough margin in your calendar today, in the plans that you've made for today, for the divine appointments that God has set? God has already planned in advance the good works that he intends for us to do as his people. And so is there enough margin in my day so that I will not treat people as an interruption, so that I can honor the plans that God has made even in the midst of um, the plans that I have made? All right, there's, uh, there's really no way to avoid the headline of the day. Um, it, is, it is one, and it is screaming from every, um, every outlet. The former president of the United States, Donald Trump, now faces charges in the state of Georgia, in addition to federal indictments uh, that he is under in Florida, New York, and Washington, D.C. So what happened uh, last night was that Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis presented a Georgia grand jury. Well, this happened yesterday, but the... The charges came down last night with criminal charges against the former president. There are 18 others named in the indictments as well. There are 13 charges in this particular indictment, um, including, you know, what I will just describe as scheming to overturn the 2020 election results. It is a complex case. It accuses former former President Donald Trump and some of his uh, top aides of orchestrating a a quote, and here's the quote you need to know, criminal enterprise under Georgia's legal definition of racketeering. Now, on the other side of the political aisle, the sitting president, Joe Biden, is facing increasing pressure related to allegations against his son, Hunter Biden, whose foreign business dealings, um, uh, you know, are, are now under the investigation of a special counsel. Um, the influence peddling through the Biden family brand is what is uh, argued. Um, Hunter Biden has acknowledged a decades-long addiction with alcohol, crack cocaine, prostitution, and there is no question that his dad has gone to great lengths to save the life of his only surviving child from his first marriage. Like, these are complex stories. These are family stories. These are not just individual stories. What can we say about these things today? Politics is a very messy business. Let's just start there. Um, the truth matters. Justice matters. Our legal system is complex. These are families. They have friends. They have colleagues. Um, you can't really extricate an individual from all of the complexities of their human relationships. 
And um, and none of these stories is about an individual alone. So every time that you, every time these uh, are raised in conversation today and in the days to come, I want you to, to think about the, the pebble that is dropped in, um, in a body of water and all of those concentric circles of influence that are touched. And then I want you to think about um, these are like, both of these are like boulders dropped into uh, the through line of American history. Both of these are like boulders dropped into um, and making waves in the culture today. The sitting president of the United States is under threat of an impeachment inquiry as the case against his son is built. The former president of the United States is under threat of a jury trial. All, all of this happening during a presidential campaign cycle where these two men are the leading candidates for their respective party nominations. So, to be ignorant of these particular events is simply not responsible. So that's why we're talking about them. Now, as a Christian, under the lordship of Jesus Christ, as a resident alien with dual citizenship in the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of this world, how are you as a Christian going to choose whether to talk about these things, and if you do, how to talk about these real-time developments in American history? Again, we pray. We seek and we speak truth. We seek justice. And we allow the justice system to work itself out. We cannot, on the one hand, say the system is corrupt. And on the other hand, hope the system drops the hammer on the guy we don't like. So resist that temptation today. Resist the temptation to speak out of both sides of your mouth on the political issues of the day. Now, I know that just made you a little bit mad. So stand in front of the mirror and have a conversation with yourself about that. Avoid whataboutism and find a better story to tell today. Find a story that changes the conversation. Maybe it's a story about, you know what, I remember, I remember when I was a kid learning about a friend whose dad was arrested um, on tax evasion. I didn't know what it was, but I knew that for Stephanie, um, it was a bad day. Maybe you remember the conversation that we've had here with the LimFit doctor telling us about the lifelong battle that his son faced with addiction following the death of his mother. Maybe you want to recall the challenges that you faced as a family when there was a dad in your church charged with a crime that you were sure he could have never committed, but then you learned he did. Maybe you remember when your church gathered for prayer for a family after a person was arrested for a range of offenses. Maybe you remember when John the Baptist was thrown in jail and his unjust execution. Maybe you remember the story of the Apostle Paul or, or Peter in jail and his miraculous liberation. Maybe you remember the unjust arrest of Martin Luther King Jr. and the writing of the letter from a Birmingham jail and how those events changed the course of our nation's history. Maybe you remember Chuck Colson one of the president's men in the Nixon administration. And maybe you remember that he went to prison. It was 50 years ago this week that God used those events in the life of Chuck Colson to bring him to the point of repentance and faith. And now consider all that God has done through prison fellowship and the Colson Center in the years since. God is not bound by the systems that confound us. God is not unaware. He's not surprised. He's not wringing his hands about the political nor the judicial knots that we've tied ourselves up in. 
So I am praying today for those accused, and I am praying today for the truth to prevail. Not only in these political cases, I'm praying that this would draw men and women to their knees. And I'm praying for those who are imprisoned for Christ around the world right now. They are my brothers and my sisters. They are the, about, they are the ones about whom my ire is righteously raised today. And so I'm praying for them. Even, even yes, as I am praying that justice would roll down here in the United States and everything done in the darkness would be brought to the light. Luke 12, 2 and 3, Jesus speaking here. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed. There is nothing hidden that will not be made known. What you've said in the dark is going to be heard in the daylight. What you've whispered in the ear in the inner rooms is going to be proclaimed from the rooftops. That's what I'm holding in my mind and my heart today as I process the headline news. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, our friend Nick Pitts is joining us. And uh, hey, Nick, good morning. Good morning, Carmen. Happy Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Happy Tuesday. Tell us a good news story from your house. Well, let me tell you, it is one of it is my role model's birthday today, August fifteenth. It's my dad's birthday, so oh. everything that I ever learned about being a dad and more, and a glimmer of my heavenly father, um, is was taught from first taught by him. And so it is a it's a splendid day, and Dottie can't wait to wake up to wish her pops a happy birthday. But thankfully, she is still peacefully sleeping downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. That's so good. Well, hey, happy birthday to the elder pits. Uh, the elder, the wiser, the smarter, the man, the myth, the legend. I love that. Joe Pitts. Happy birthday, man. That is awesome. Um, I love I love uh, wishing people happy birthday. I even love more wishing them happy rebirth day. So is oh, Joe yeah. my brother is Joe my brother in Christ in addition to being your biological dad? Oh, so the the best. He is the best. So dad is in politics, but also has been in economic development, business banking for my entire life. But also that's his tent making gig. So growing up at Second Baptist Church in Clinton, Tennessee, uh, my dad would play the piano because my dad was an incredible piano player and he would play the piano on Sunday mornings for the church. And so there was uh, he was a a great uh, worship leader during that time. And then also he said, when we moved over to Cookville, Tennessee, uh, which are just small little towns that hope maybe some of people will recognize, uh, thriving metropolis of Cookville. He was the Sunday school director for, uh, the, uh, first Baptist church of Cookville. And so it was a a sweet, sweet time and a a very, I cherish the memories of the examples that I have of him leading and giving back to the body that he belonged to that I hope to emulate this very day. Okay, what is he doing? What is Joe doing today? Uh, he is, he's probably already in the first meeting of the day. And so he usually is gets Joe, his day started is pretty Joe early. A city, is he a city mayor? Yep. Yeah, okay. That's what I thought. You know, he's, just... Uh, he's, he's the man. Yeah, that's okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. You know, I know I should have put that two and two together before today, but I just did that math. <laughs> I just yep. did that math here live on air. Wow. All right. Hey, our friend Nick Pitts <laughs> is here today. 
<laughs> um, we're gonna um, we're gonna talk um, with Nick here in just a, a moment about a guy named Oliver Anthony. I have been telling you to pray for Oliver Anthony now for several days, and Nick is here to actually brief us in. So when we come back for a very very brief break, Nick Pitts is going to tell us the extraordinary story of a brother in Christ named Oliver Anthony, who I I just um. Uh, you know, God's got God's got big plans for this guy, and so um, we want to we want to lift him up um, today, um, really, so that you can put him on your prayer list, but also so that he's on uh, he's just on your uh, cultural radar. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. The Bible is valuable, and reading and studying the Bible can transform your life. Hi, I'm Angela Smith, host of Reading the Bible Together podcast. Several times a year, we release a new Reading the Bible Together study. We've studied Luke. Daniel, Advent, Lent, and so many more. You can access all of our studies for free by going to the Reading the Bible Together resource page at myfaithradio.com. In addition to the studies, we also have the accompanying podcast. You can listen wherever you listen to podcasts. You can study on your own, or if your small group or Bible study is looking for what to study next, check out the Reading the Bible Together resource page at myfaithradio.com. Continuing our conversation with our friend Nick Pitts. All right, Nick, who is Oliver Anthony, and what should we know about him? A uh, he is a viral sensation. Last time I checked, which was yesterday morning, I know it's had to have increased. This individual is out of Virginia. He's a country singer, so think of when you think of country, don't think of Luke Bryan country. Think more of Oh Brother, Where Art Thou country. Uh, and just has gone viral with this incredible song. His voice just is just so captivating um, uh, that just a viral video that kind of talks about the us versus them dichotomy, feeling like he's getting kicked by those north of Richmond, referring to the political uh, establishment in Washington. And uh, I believe it's upwards of seven million people have viewed that the YouTube song Richmond north of men north of Richmond. And it is just a incredible, incredible tale of one, how quickly social media can turn a, what I believe just a blue collar worker into an overnight sensation. Now that he's going to have a album produced, he was performing with Jamie Johnson, a country legend over the weekend. It's just an incredible story. Yeah. I in particular uh, appreciated that at the end of his like he like introduces himself on this video on his youtube page he's, he's like the day before this song releases and he's like sitting in the cab of his pickup truck and it's dirty like he's not there's nothing fancy about him and um and 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 he he's like you know hey we're gonna release a song tomorrow and i so that's probably how you ended up here and so let me introduce myself and he talks a little bit about himself and then it seems like he's drawing the video to a close and there's this fairly long pause. But if you stay through the pause, you get his testimony. And he makes this ardent, heartfelt appeal. You know, if you feel like you're, you feel like your life's not, you know, worth living, let me tell you, you know, I, I used to, I used to refer to God as in, in all kinds of um, <clears throat> ways that mocked him. But you know what? I, I came to that place where I'm, I'm on my knees and it's, you know, it's either going to be this life or I'm going to turn it all over to God kind of, kind of testimony. And he turns it all over to God. And, and then 
God gives him the desires of his heart. I mean, God opens up the the world of opportunity to him. It is, it's an extraordinary testimony. So I've been having everybody who's listening to me pray for him since that day, because I saw that video on that day, the day before the the release. And, um, and so we've been praying for him, that God would protect him, um, that God would put the right people around him, that God would give him wisdom beyond his years. Um, there, there are people who, you know, for such a time as this, right? And I'm not, and again, I'm not inviting anybody to listen to his music because his lyrics, you know, we couldn't play them on Christian radio, but I'm not his audience either. And I recognize that. Um, can we talk a little bit about that? That sometimes in a cultural moment, the people who God uses are not always using Christianese to reach the lost. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it, just look over the biblical narrative, right? Like you've got a, God used a reluctant prophet in Jonah to turn a whole city to him. Jonah didn't even want to do it. Jonah kind of didn't give his full effort. Is probably the nicest way we can say it when he talked <laughs> to the people. Ninevites, and yet that he was not excited about he was not excited about the Ninevites coming, uh, being being forgiven. Was he? No. Can you no. can you imagine? Can you imagine a Jonah-like figure today, like filling up Cowboy Stadium or filling put it fill in the blank whatever football field that your whole town can gather in, and somebody just comes up. It's obvious they don't want to be there. Says speaks for two two, three sentences, and then all of a sudden just leaves. And quite literally a mass revival breaks out. Like you just, like it, like God yeah. is going to use perfect people to accomplish his perfect purposes, which he says in Job 42 can't be thwarted. Right. Like we, the, the list can go on and on of broken individuals that God uses um, to accomplish his purposes. And what we're saying here is just, Another example, he says he wants it to be nonpartisan. He opened up his uh, concert uh, on Saturday afternoon with a uh, scripture reading. I believe it was from Psalm 37. He he's just very he is he is very unlike someone that you would see on in the pulpit or on the stage on a Sunday morning. And you know what? God can bless it. Uh, what we know from Second Chronicles, his eyes are going to and fro across the earth looking for someone um, to fulfill, uh, to, to do his will, uh, someone willing to do his will. And so uh, what we're finding is that there's another individual that God has found and is using mightily right now in ways that can be seen and ways that are unseen. It's, it is really extraordinary. Um, I, think of, uh, I think of the people who have watched that video and have wondered to themselves, what what is that thing leaning against that tree in the background on the right-hand side? Now, for those of us that live in the country, we know it's a deer blind, but, uh, you know, it's a deer stand. Um, but, you know, I am, there's definitely things like, it, even just in the very most simple of videos that, you know, there's just this microphone in his yard. Um, there's, there's stuff in that video that there are going to be people in the culture who are going to wonder, like, what what is that? What is going on there? And so um, let's be let's be those cultural translators for some folks um, as they are asking fresh questions about um, this kind of conversion story. You know what what is what does it mean for a person who um, has made all kinds of mistakes and confesses those um, and has lived uh, in ways that are certainly contrary to what Scripture reveals and confesses yeah. those. Um, and has genuinely repented, and God is now, God's now using him in ways that I think surprise even him. 
Yeah, you know what? You know what excites me probably the most is because I, I think the reason why there's a big part of the virality around him is because he's tapping into an unsatisfaction with the status quo from a political perspective. And mm-hmm. I am I, I could just get on a soapbox right now and say that we do have political problems, but our political problems, uh, the, the solutions to those problems aren't political. We are we we too often are the person with the hammer looking for a nail. And in reality, these political problems aren't really political. They're more social problems. And he's tapped into that populist kind of us versus them. Something's wrong with the world. And perhaps our political problems are in need of religious solutions right now. Mm. And I think that's that unsatisfaction. That's that lack of the status quo is insufficient. That hopefully we can identify what's wrong, but also point to what's right. And what's right isn't more politics what's right is is perhaps a better understanding of how do we love our neighbor and consider others more important than ourselves it's so good it's so good all right well i know you're um you're praying for him and he's on your radar so i appreciate that um nick as always um thank you so much wish your dad a happy birthday um on our behalf will do will do Mm -hmm. and y'all have Mm -hmm. the best of days you might warn him I might drive to Clarksville with a cupcake. That is all I will say about these things. All right. Thanks, you know, man. Take that last train to Clarksville. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Let's take a moment to go upwards with Max Lucado. All right. There's a lot going on in the world. I want to bring you up to date. On a guy, a brother in Christ, we've talked about over the course of time. Actually, we've talked about Jimmy Lai over a number of years. Um, he is a believer in Jesus. Um, he is uh, in China, um, in prison, um, and, or under under Chinese. Um, he's being held uh, under all kinds of charges that. Um, that the Chinese Communist Party has leveled against him. Um, Jimmy Lai committed himself to religious freedom against the Communist Party's efforts to supplant religion with government control, and he is paying a price for that. So he is a former newspaper publisher, one of Hong Kong's most prominent pro-democracy activists. He now spends 23 hours a day in solitary confinement in a maximum security facility awaiting trial, Um, That trial could send him to prison for the rest of his life. He gets to spend about an hour out of his cell every day, but that hour is also spent alone in a barbed wire pen in the middle of the prison grounds. And the Associated Press recently captured a couple of pictures of him, and they make, you know, note of, uh, of his health concerns and his obvious weight loss, and they describe him as carrying a book with him out there into... Uh, into the light of day. Okay, well, it's not just a book. He's carrying a Bible, and it's actually, like, fairly obvious that it's a Bible. But, you know, that's not mentioned in, in, in the news. So he's using that time to walk with the Lord. Jimmy Lai is a British national. He could have used that citizenship to flee prior to his arrest. But at the time, he said, um, when you lift yourself above your own self-interest, you find the meaning of your life. You find you're doing the right thing, which is so wonderful. And it changed my life into a different thing. And so the way I look at it, if I suffer for the right cause, it only defines the person that I am becoming. 
It can only be good for me to become a better person. So if you believe in the Lord, if you believe that all suffering has a purpose, then the Lord is suffering with me, and I am at peace with that. So yesterday, Jimmy Lai and six others were actually cleared of charges that they organized a pro-democracy march in 2019. And so you, you hear that and you read that and you, you, you issue the sigh of relief and you think he's going to be restored to his family. Okay, yesterday's ruling has no effect on Jimmy Lai's detention because he continues to face other charges. He is accused of colluding with foreign forces to endanger national security, um, conspiring to call for sanctions um, against Hong Kong um, uh, related to China, He's also facing a charge of conspiracy to print seditious publications. Remember, he was a newspaper publisher. Um, He was scheduled to go to trial on those charges last December. That has been postponed to um, this upcoming September, while the Hong Kong government has been in the process of appealing to Beijing to block his attempt to have a British defense lawyer represent him. So there's, um, there's a lot going on in the story of Jimmy Lai. Here's what his son, um, Sebastian, said in a statement to the U.S. government. My father is in prison because he spoke truth to power, and he has done so for decades. He is still speaking truth to power, even in his silence behind bars. He will not be silenced. Even though he has lost everything and he may die in prison, I am very proud to be his son. With all that's going on in the world, let's be praying today for Jimmy Lai, our brother in Christ, and for his precious family. What else in the world is going on in the world? Our friend Luke Moon joins us next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, our friend Luke Moon is joining us today from Seattle. I assume he's on a mission trip. Good morning, Luke. Good morning. Well, are you are you on a month, mission trip? You on a mission trip to Seattle? I'm always on a mission I know. trip, Carmen. I, know. I yeah. love that. <laughs> no, I'm I'm kind of on vacation, kind of <gasps> just trying to you know get ahead of my uh, busy fall schedule. I have a I have a crazy fall schedule, and uh, my daughter turns 18 on Wednesday. What? Yes, all that. I know. Okay. So much going on. So yeah. many. I'm putting I'm putting all these things on my prayer list for you. This wow. <laughs> I I think of you as having little kids. So that just tells you um, you know, how long it's been. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I just uh-huh. got the one kid and she turns eighteen tomorrow. Yeah. So I'm I'm that old. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Okay. We're gonna um we're gonna talk I'm putting that on my prayer list, but we're gonna talk about uh things that are happening around the world that you are read in on and we are not. So I want to talk about India and the Middle East. Apparently, there is a pretty massive transformation taking place um, across this large region of the world. Um, So I'd like for you to help us understand it. Uh, What what is the transformation that's taking place? And then maybe what are the worldview implications of that transformation? Well, I I think one of the things that, you know, India celebrates its Independence Day. Uh, well, I think it's well, it's today, so we could get you know Happy Independence Day, India. And one of the, there was an article in in Providence that really talked about 
kind of the history of Islam's relationship with basically the Hindus of India. And there's just been a recent uh, spate of violence, particularly against Hindus. Uh, one is in Pakistan, the, the, the Hindu temple uh, in Karachi, I think Karachi, was, was basically burned to the ground uh, and bulldozed over. And, you know, basically the police watched it happen. It was done. Uh, there was a power outage. Uh, and then it was, I don't know, somebody took advantage of it. But, and then, and then there was a massacre of Hindus who were on a pilgrimage. And what it does is remind us that, you know, what, what some have referred to as the bloody borders of Islam. And it's where Islam touches another non-Muslim civilization that, that there's conflict. And that happens all around the world. I mean, like, you know, India and Pakistan. Um, and, you know, what we talked about two weeks ago was the, you know, the the that line of countries that are are in sub-Saharan Africa where the majority of population is Muslim that is meeting up against the majority population that is not, whether they're Christian or they're animist or or something else. I mean, even in places like, you know, the Philippines where there's, you know, most of the Philippines is Catholic and yet there's, you know, one of the islands of the Philippines is mostly Muslim and it's, it's there's conflict there and so you know it, one of the the challenges i think for us as christians is to at one you know, one one instance affirm or recognize firm is not the right word but recognize that these bloody borders borders exist and and yet at the same time recognizing that we need to not use that as a means to to hate Muslims, but as a means to uh, understand the difference between the way that Christianity grows and the way that Islam grows. And Christianity, uh, in its in its best form, grows by uh, evangelism and calling people into the kingdom of heaven uh, and telling them about the good news of Jesus Christ, who who didn't use the sword to expand his kingdom. And I think that's what that, you know, encounter in the Garden of Gethsemane uh, does, uh, tells us, you know, when the, when the, when the soldier's ear was cut off, you know, and, and Jesus, you know, Jesus heals the man and puts his, the ear back on and tells him my kingdom's not going to grow by the sword. And Islam's not like that. And so as Christians, I think we need to recognize that that's a truth. And that Christianity is different, and we need to call people uh, to the truth of Christianity. Mm, that's so good. Um, to the peace of Christ, to the reality of the gospel. Um, when you point to all of these places around the world, um, I'm not sure that when we read the news related to, let's say, Sub-Saharan Africa, or when we read the news related to um, even what is happening on the border regions um, or what is happening in conflict zones around the world. I'm not sure that in the news, this is what is highlighted. This is often not what is highlighted. And so um, knowing, knowing this reality and looking for worldview motivations and then worldview implications is really important. And religion is often 
the subtext. It's often what is not right. being written about, but actually is the storyline. Right. And it, 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 there's, there's a lack of, of, you know, religious knowledge or even religious care in, uh, you know, in most newsrooms around the world. And, and, in, and also in most, uh, you know, the state department is terrible when it comes to any religion. Um, and, you know, it, they just, they tend to be people who don't understand religion. Right. And therefore, they don't understand how it shapes one's motivations uh, and and one's life. I mean, it's it really I mean, faith is, as you know, I think we all can attest, like a very central part of our lives. And we think about it a lot and we think about it. It, it governs our motivations. And so when you're you know, if you're not one of those people and you're just kind of looking at the news, you don't you don't see it. You just don't see it. And, um, you know, the I mean, India and Pakistan separated over religion and India and Bangladesh separated over religion. And so, you know, I think it's important for us to to remember that. But, you know, again, I. I guess my my what I, what I don't want people to walk away with is, you know, it's just because there's the bloody borders of Islam doesn't mean we should we should hate Islam. Well, like, like Muslims, I like it, it. That's the wrong response to that. But, mm-hmm. but it is a truth that Islam is a, a, re, a religion that has grown by violence and it continues to have that element as, as its core. It, it, people, there are lots of Muslims who are good and don't want to see it grow by violence. But the reality is that when it encounters non Muslim societies, violence is is right there at the door. Yeah, the response, the 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 righteous response of the Christian is not hate, nor is it isolation, nor is it avoidance. It is self self sacrificial love. It it yeah. it's yeah, it goes. Um, all right. So Luke, um, we're going to take a very very brief break. When we come back, you're going to remind us. Uh, about the Luzon Treaty. And there's going to be a lot of people who've never heard of this treaty. It's 100 years old. Um, And you're going to help us understand the impact of it, um, particularly uh, on on Christians in a particular place, but maybe more broadly, um, as as the Luzon Treaty turns 100, um, maybe how you see it unfolding or living into the future. That's up next. You're on Mornings with Carmen. As we consider the life of Jesus and the life of the first generation of Christians, reading here the book of Acts and all the letters to the Christians in the New Testament, we see people who like wake up. They come to see and understand and then receive Jesus as their Savior and Lord. And it changes everything. We see Christians then telling other people about the good news and inviting them to respond in repentance, be baptized, and follow Jesus. The movement of Christianity grows person by person and then exponentially as people walking in darkness receive the light of Christ and want others to know what they know and have what they have. Well, you and I are living in dark days. People need light. And Jesus is the light of the world today in the same way that he was the light of the world at the beginning of creation and at the first Christmas and throughout his life on earth and in his radiance now at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is the light of the world. 
So if you're walking in darkness of any kind today, I invite you to consider Jesus. If you'd like to know more about what it means to begin a relationship with Christ or to chat with someone about it, just text the word FAITH to 41224. Our friend Luke Moon from the Philos Project is joining us. You can find what we're about to talk about at ProvidenceMag.com. All right, Luke, um, the Luzon Treaty, 1923, it's now 2023. What is it? Um, what is, and, and maybe what is the future of it? Yeah, well, Luzon Treaty was basically the helped establish the borders of what is now modern-day Turkey. Uh Turkey used to be part of the Ottoman Empire. The Ottoman Empire was, the Ottomans had sided with the Germans in World War I. And as a result, when they lost um, World War I, the, the Ottoman Empire basically got split up, broken up into a lot of different pieces. And Turkey, which is one of those pieces, was basically established in that treaty. All the other borders all the other countries that, that, you know, places like Syria, uh, Lebanon, Azerbaijan, were all, and then were all essentially created a bit before then, but it was basically affirmed by the Treaty of, of Lausanne. And then also, um, you know, there was a, a kind of a, an agreement reached with, um, with Greece, which has been an ongoing, you know, problem for Turkey and well Greece and Turkey are not friends most of the time and so you you it, it basically created this a lot of the Middle East we see now one of the important things it established was rights of religious minorities within uh, within within Turkey and particularly the rights of both um, you know Muslims in in Greek lands, but Greeks, Greek Christians, Orthodox Christians in Turkey, because most people are like the head of the the Orthodox Church sat in Constantinople, which became Istanbul. And so you had this, you, you had a, a long history of like this Greek, you know, the, the Greek Orthodox Church had a connection to Constantinople, because that's where the head of the church was. And yet living in this country that is very antagonistic towards Greek Orthodox. And the Treaty of Lausanne kind of stipulated that uh, there has to be protection for religious minorities. Now, one of the things that has happened is that over that last hundred years, uh, the religious minorities have basically, uh, whether through just emigration or uh, low birth rates or whatever, they've, they're just not there anymore. And so it's created a real situation in which, you know, there isn't a, there's a, there's a problem with who's going to be the next, uh, you know, the, the head of the Greek Orthodox church sitting in Turkey because they have to be living there and there aren't, there aren't enough basically. Mm. Uh, there's, the other group of people, Syriac Christians, Syriac Christians is one of, they're, they're kind of in the Orthodox stream of Christianity. Uh, they were not named in the Treaty of Lausanne, and therefore Turkey has taken advantage of that and has not been protecting any of their 
religious, uh, any of the churches or anything like that. And the Syriac Christians are, uh, a lot of them have immigrated, some immigrated to the United States and others, you know, all over Europe and that kind of thing. And they're, they're basically leaving. Um, and, and the churches that, that they had are mostly empty and are not being well, well maintained and well protected. And so, yeah, it's, you know, we're in this moment where we, you know, we're still, uh, this is, we're, we're these hundred year anniversaries of these major decisions like the Treaty of Lausanne and, uh, the world has changed in that last hundred years and, and, you know, people have sifted out and it's, it's, yeah, it's it's very it's a very fascinating, you know, look at what happens, you know, over a hundred years with with religion and faith and people. When we're talking about the physical land of Turkey, we're talking about what we might historically call Asia Minor, um, Anatolia. Um, we're talking about um, the Seleucids. Um, we're talking about Phrygia and Lydia. Um, we're talking about Tarsus. I mean, right? We're, we're talking about well, places the, that we would of, recognize from yeah. the Bible. Yeah, all of the seven cities of Revelation are in Turkey. What is now oh, Turkey? That seems significant. Like that just maybe we just... Maybe we just point there in this conversation. And when we're, I mean, because I do think that there are people who are like, why, why is Carmen talking about Turkey? Why? And when, I mean, you know, yes, we're concerned about Christians because there are global brothers and sisters. Um, but why are we talking? Okay. Well, maybe we should point there and say, okay, all of the seven churches, uh, in Revelation, the, those, those physical, the geographically, those places are in modern day Turkey. Okay. Well, that, 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 you know, that raises my eyebrows and makes me want to know more. So that um, that is positive. So if you guys want to read in on this, um, ProvidenceMag.com um, has this piece on Luzon Treaty and the future of Syriac Christians in Turkey. Um, one of the things in here was this, this reminder about um, Andrew Brunson. And, you know, he obviously was a member of what would be considered a religious minority. And his rights were clearly not protected. Um, right. And we remember uh, his plight and his imprisonment. We remember praying for him. Um, And then we forget because we move on to other things. And so thank you for the reminder today. Um, I want to talk about Ethiopia um, and maybe just bring us an update there. It's it's amazing how quickly time passes. We talk about these things and then I will read an article and I'll be like, it's not possible. That was three years ago. But um, but it's been a while since we've talked about um, what is happening in Ethiopia. So can you. Just read us in and remind us about some of these things. Yeah. Um, well, in you know the the there was a conflict that three years ago it was you know basically a the start of what was known as uh, the Tigray War, which was that there's a people, the Tigray people, that live between what is now the countries of Eritrea and Ethiopia, both of which. Uh, are not happy. They they don't like the Tigray people, <laughs> and um, you know one of their, I have this. Well, it's not original to me, but I call them the in between people, and the there are people that live between. Uh, let's call them bigger peoples that don't like each other, 
you know, it's it and and you know, back in like Israel is one of those, right? If you were in, you know, the empire of Egypt and you wanted to attack the empire of Mesopotamia, you had to go through Israel. Um, you know, if you were a Mongolian up on the steps of, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the Gobi desert and you wanted to attack the, the peoples on the sea, you had to, the, the Tibetans were in your way. If you wanted to invade Russia or you're Russia and you wanted to invade Europe, the, the Germans are in the way, right? And so, and and so, people that are what I call in between people tend to become stubborn, right? They just don't like them. I mean, they're always having bigger people come through their land and kind of try and tell them what to do, and it just creates this kind of "we're not going to do that" kind of attitude. And the Tigray are like that between Ethiopia and Eritrea. The other interesting thing about them is that. Um, a lot of people are unaware that the Aksum Empire, which was an empire that was, uh, it, it was, it was ginormous. Basically, took up most of, um, you know, the lands of Ethiopia, Eritrea, Djibouti, up into Sudan, up really bore, almost basically bordered Egypt. In 300, accepted accepted Christianity as the official religion of the empire which was 25 years before Constantine did. Constantine was was the second empire to embrace uh, Christianity. And, and the first was, was the Axum Empire. And there's this historic church uh, that was attacked in three years ago uh, by Eritrean forces. And it, they, there was, you know, again, it was, it was kind of the start of a war. There was some, you know, there was the Tigray attacked a police station that was um, that was Ethiopian. And then the, you know, basically, again, it, it spiraled out of control very quickly. And so and then <laughs> fortunately, I guess this might be one of those places where like COVID kind of actually helped because it was the thing that um, just got the world's it, it, it helped. Uh, put an end to it because people couldn't go anywhere. <laughs> right. And mm. so uh, that, that war didn't last very long, but the, there's still, you know, this lingering, the, the injustice of the Eritreans uh, attacking the church. None of that has not been like, nobody has been held accountable for that. Um, and, you know, it's, it, it leads to people being very frustrated and, looking for opportunities to get justice their own way. And so, you know, when you have, you know, massacres or attacks that like what happened with the Tigray people, um, it, 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 it creates a, it, it has needs to have a release. And so hopefully uh, that won't happen again, but mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's begun to percolate in the news, which makes me mm -hmm. think that, there's there's some there's Something some rumblings there. here uh, yeah. that could, could foretell some bad bad outcomes. All right, we're going to have to wrap it right there, Luke. As always, thank you so much um, for joining us. We've got another hour of mornings with Carmen up next. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.